was freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins. Barreling down I 35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space. Well, hey there. Glad you're here. Glad you're tuning in. Glad so many of you are telling your friends about other side of Texas. I'm your host, Jay West, Texas. Leeson just got done doing a little uh, Sunday pre-taping. Brian Mudd at KMAC, if you're listening locally, be up on uh, everythinglubbock.com this weekend. But looking pretty dapper right now, which got to me to thinking about my wallet, which I'm going to get into here in just some... Uh, my go-to thing, and I, I'm in a bad wallet place... I want to tell you about that. Also, maybe get into why Texas, I've come up with this thing. Guys, look, it's not red, the state of Texas right now, not as red as it was during the Obama and all the reaction to, whenever I say that, I feel like people think, well, you were an Obama fan. I was not, but I'm not a fan of politically freaking out either. Which is what we did in Texas, and we we elected a bunch of people who shouldn't even be on a United Way board in a rural county, um, <clears throat> and that's what happened. But uh, a lot of that changed on Tuesday night. We are not as red. We may be trending purple, but I tell you this, more than anything else, this is my new theory, we are Amarillo. Amarillo, a play on the city of course, because it's a color in Spanish, uh, but also a region. I think that what we want right now, and this was played out in the in the suburbs of North Texas, whenever you saw strong, bona fide conservatives, and I don't want to knock it, I really like Jeff Leach, and I like Jonathan Stickland. A lot of people don't appreciate that I like Jonathan Stickland, but these are two reps out, state reps out in North Texas, uh, I don't know Matt Shaheen, but they have in recent years been browbeating conservatives. Not really, their records aren't great, they didn't get a whole lot done, uh, but Stickland especially, but in all three of those instances, and there are others, like their peers who lost in North Texas, but there were three guys who, I think Ross Ramsey called them the Barleys, they barely won. But compare them to, uh, no, hold on. You think about Amarillo. You got Four Price, and you got a Kel Seliger, somebody like a John Smithy. Responsible, effective, center-right. Uh, and then you've got the same kind of model in North Texas, a bunch of guys who barely won or they flat-out lost. But then you get Charlie Guerin there in northeast Tarrant County. What'd he do? He won 64-36. And Charlie Guerin is in that four-price Kel Seliger Amarillo mold. That is about to become something I'll write on some big, bad statewide thing. Uh, we are broadcasting from the Racer Car Wash studios. Racer Car Wash voted best wash around five years running in Lubbock. 
Stop into one of their five convenient locations across Hub City for the best wash around, guaranteed, racerwash.com. Um, so look, I want to get back to my wallet conundrum, but I need to tell you that coming up we're going to have uh, Jim Henson, not the puppet guy, but the guy who knows a lot about Texas polls. He's going to join us here in a little bit. We're going to talk about the suburbs changing red to blue and what that means for rural Texas. That'll be a good conversation for many of you. Of course, I consider Lubbock, from where we're broadcasting, to be the rural metropolis. And it'll be interesting what uh, Henson has to say about uh, what happened on Tuesday night. Is it sustainable? Is it a blip? Or is it a reality going forward? Um, We'll check in with Jim Henson. He's at the University of Texas, by the way, and oversees the Texas po- Politics Project. Those are all the Tribune, Texas Tribune, and uh, UT poll numbers that come out frequently. And then we're going to have my friend Vikram Baliga, all things. He knows all things. Plants, uh, three inches, three feet of snow. I don't know what's coming. It's divided. But on Monday, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a whiteout in Lubbock, Texas. Um, lots of people are going to be plowing, are going to be bowl pulling throughout the weekend. That is for sure. As we're right in the middle of harvest, we can't have three inches of snow all of a sudden. So let's talk about what do you got. And we've been slow on the Rager Dykes thing. But because, quite frankly... They're holding up the process, I, I believe. They're stalling. I want as much time as, as necessary to get affairs in order. And this is just, just a logical deduction before some people go to the big house. Uh, but I was thinking about my wallet situation, and I was thinking about what do you got uh, with Gate, And so I thought we'd get into what do I got, and I want to tell you about that. So what I don't got is my new wallet. So back in the summer, I really got bummed out because I tried to... I don't know where you guys are. If you're like the skinny wallet guy or you're the George Costanza wallet guy, I'm not sure. Um, But I was in between because I had the Costanza wallet. And I won't mention the company, but the leather bled all over my... All of my credit cards turned brown and I was really given the company that made it that also makes boots that I wear really disappointed there and so then I went to like metro guy wallet the skinny wallet that's no good for me I mean I've got receipts I've got to keep track of things and I'm not real good at the, like for instance I've got um I think I've got like let me look I'm looking at my email account to give you an indication of how bad I am. 
with uh, just things stacking up from time to time. I've got 12,973, I'm looking at my iPhone right now, unread emails. And, you know, that's all just junk mail stuff that I just blow past. But I can let things get away from me. So I just decided, you know what, I can't do Metro Guy wallet. I need a good wallet. And so I went on this excursion to find a wallet and looked online at all this stuff. And this is what I came up with. There was this Indigo campaign, for which means that they're raising a bunch of money for this product. And this was back in June, and I was really stoked about this. I'm going to play the YouTube this video in Rob. the background. At first glance, he is just a regular man, but that's only at first glance. In reality, he has super abilities because he has Volterman. At first glance, the Volterman Volter is just a regular wallet, but that's only at first glance. It's good looking leather wallet. In reality, wallet. it has a stunning design, and it's packed with super abilities. It's got all these microchips in it. The and smart wallet helps Rob in a variety of situations. Once, so, when he was out with his girlfriend, Rob, Rob left his wallet Rob's in, in a taxi. But Volterman notifies when it's been left behind and is being tracked easily notifies by his owner. By his phone. Volterman is GPS, the only wallet with worldwide traceability. Again. Yeah, man. Excuse me? I think you have my wallet. Yeah. I've been Rob found his wallet. I've got your photos opening it right here. And so it, it goes forward. You are my Superman. Oh, yeah. Babe, I'm not Rob's Superman. I've hot, got Volterman. My girlfriend loves his wallet. And then it has like a RFID protected Rob's where people is can't, active, uh, and occasionally he can't, his can't scan his credit cards through his wallet. And I'm like, yeah, man, who doesn't? Who wants that? It's like the Lubbock file room of wallets, man. You just, you don't want that's people going fault. through your stuff. Thanks. And then on top of it, Got that's it. enough, Rob. On top of that, it has a camera in it so that you can link it up with your computer or with your phone and go live anytime to see what's going on. And, man, I'm all over it. So I ordered that back in June, and I'm rubbed because... I've still got bleed through leather wallet at this point because it's better than Metro wallet because Indigo campaign can't get their wallets out of this country, that country, or the other. We're going on six months now, Volterman. I need my wallet. What do I got? I got nothing. What do you got? I just needed to take some time to get that off my chest, Volterman. And forget you too, Rob. And Rob's girlfriend, he is no superhero. He is not a superhero because Rob's selling a product that's like coming up, if you round up, a year behind. Dadgummit. I'm not going to get that thing till I turn 50. I turn 40 in March. What we got coming up for you, however, what do you got? You got some Jim Henson, Texas Political Project. Get to a quickie break. Come right back here on a Friday. Love it. Uh, here on your other side of Texas. Stick right there with us. Towns in West Texas, you can't understand just how, how they ride it out through the dust and drought till you live in a prairie town. I'm about to jump into this real estate thing. I think I'm just going to put my feet in the water. But, um, uh, 
maybe pay for a Vulterman or two. It's like 250 Somebody just texted in. Eddie just texted in. How much that wallet cost? 250 bucks. It's still not here. Yeah, I'm going to have to maybe sell some land or some real estate to keep up with my what-do-you-got habits. Uh, Lubbock's Digital Real Estate and Title Escrow Company. Title One is committed to providing you with the highest level of communication and service from the time the contract opens until it closes. See how Title One can serve your realty, consumer, and lending needs at TitleOne.com. One of my favorite people to have on whenever we talk about, you know, whenever I try to write about something, when I lay out are facts and an opinion piece, and then I go after it based on facts. Somebody to get some good facts from is Jim Henson with the Texas Politics Project there at the University of Texas. Even though Texas is going to get it handed to him tomorrow night, we're going to have Jim on right now to tell us about what's going on out there. Jim, how are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. How about you, my friend? Uh, So the over-under is, uh, well, I think, what's the over-under? Like it's 60, I have to go back and look. But uh, Texas by two tomorrow night. How how do you feel about that, Mr. Numbers that's guy? A, <laughs> well, that's, that's not quite in my bailiwick or my strongest area, but I'd say I feel pretty good about it. Okay. Well, you guys do, whenever we, when lots of folks on this program follow Ross Ramsey because he's on with us weekly at the Tex Tribune, but whenever we talk about the UT Texas Tribune poll, uh, you and your your cohort, uh, Josh Blank, are the UT side of this. So the program's called Other Side of Texas. Have I told you how we got to that name? Because it, it you know has... I don't know. I was wondering that as we started. Um, so we were doing West Texas Drive. I took some time off, and then came back, and I was talking with my buddy who actually did the Sixth Street montage. The it's like uh, on the side of a building. It's blue, red, and white, somewhere on 6th Street. Like, you come out from underneath an overpass, and you look up, and the whole side of a building, it's like a, a big Austin mural. Um, yeah, I know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, so my buddy Jed Taylor did that. And and I, Jed's one of the most creative people I know. I wanted to launch a big platform. And I said, but I we're going to talk about Texas politics from a rural point of view. But... I, can, I don't want to say rural all the time because I feel like I can't even say the word rural. Um, and it's a hard word to say, rural, 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 right? And and I said, so I need something. He said, well, like what? I said, something like that infers other side of Texas, like sides of Texas, parts of Texas that are forgotten. And he said, like what? And I said, other side of Texas. And he said, you know, I'm not going to use the language that he used, because he is an Austin guy, after all. I went to school with him at Tech. He said, along the lines of, that's bleeping great. Uh, go with that, other side of Texas. But that just sets me up here, Jim. I'm burning up all your time. Uh, it sets me up to ask this question. Texas politics, and you may disagree with the premise. Tell me if I'm wrong. But especially after the Obama era, you had the rise of folks like Connie Burton. You had the rise of Don Huffines over in North Texas, the rise of even the Dan Patricks, and some might even say the Charles Perrys right here in West Texas, very far right, uh, 
but with Perry out of the picture there, the other three aforementioned, uh, Patrick out of Harris County, and then Connie Burton, former senator, come January, Don Huffines, former state senator, those suburban districts have really laid out Texas, have been in the driver's seat of Texas politics. But all of a sudden, on Tuesday night, those counties go blue. What happened, in your view? Well, I mean, I think a couple things happened. Um, you know, for one thing, and this is going to maybe be slightly at odds with what you're saying, but I don't think so if I get it out the right way. You know, we saw the exhaustion of a really aggressive redistricting that happened in 2011. And by exhaustion, I mean the Republicans were that were in charge at the time drew very ambitious maps that minimized dem democratic representation and, and stretched Republicans as thinly as they possibly could to create as many seats as they could at the congressional and state level. And in some of these areas that were encompassing little bits of the, you know, affluent, predominantly, frankly, white parts of the cities, stretching up through the suburbs and then picking up some of these exurban areas, these uh, areas that are developing outside the cities and encroaching in some of the previously rural areas. And that's where we saw a lot of, a lot of shifts last night or uh, this week in the, in the election. And I think that's part of what's going on is that those maps are getting exhausted. Now that doesn't explain any, everything is it doesn't explain the big surge in, in, voter turnout and Beto O'Rourke getting 4 million votes. Mm -hmm. But I do think that that base of, as you say, this the, the Republican Party's rise, and this goes back, you know, really into the 70s and 80s as the Republicans began to build power in the state gradually, I think that model might be a bit exhausted given what's going on in both the rural areas and in the urban cores, and and those exurban cores can't aren't aren't the same anymore. Those exurban areas aren't the same anymore. And I, you know, give you an example. I know it's something that you've talked about. I think that the leveraging of some Republican attitudes in these districts, like Connie Burton's, the you know former district, which I'm standing in right now, and some of these other seats in Williamson County that were in the House at the House level were lost by Democrats. Those hinged on a, a certain kind of set on kinds of issues and kinds of rhetoric that aren't really providing much to either urban Democrats or rural Republicans. What do you mean? I mean, you know, you can only sell vouchers to a non-buying audience for so long. Hmm. Nobody's, you know, nobody's buying those issues either in the cities or in the rural areas. And but but people do want to talk about education. They do want to talk about health care. And there's nothing on the menu for an increasing share of people in both parties. And I think there's a certain amount of, of exhaustion of that rhetoric. Now whether the, the, the leaders of the state will actually respond to that or look for another way of representing that that issue those those issues or appealing to you know far right primary voters in the Republican party you know we'll see i think we're going to enter a very human phase where you know we talked you talked about numbers and data and how we make sense of all this there's 
going to be a lot of that to parse, but I think we're in a phase now where there's going to be a lot of human decisions made by individuals and, and small groups of people about how we're going to proceed that are going to be very interesting. Uh, would, you know, is they, you know, will the lieutenant governor and and his most conservative allies double down, or will they see this as as a, uh, a call for some kind of correction? On the Democratic side, similarly, what you know, I think you have to ask what will Beto O'Rourke do, but what will other Democrats do, and how will they interpret the relative success they had time right now? So we're we're entering into a, a pretty interesting period. Okay, so forgive me for asking you. Jim Henson, the question that you've been asked umpteen million times since Tuesday night about 10 o'clock. Is it sustainable? Will they go back red? Will they go back hardline red? Because I opened up, and this was my thesis, was, and I'm about to write on this, Texas, in my view, is not red. It's not purple. What it proved on Tuesday night, and this based upon the virtue of where you're standing right now in Tarrant County as you visit in Fort Worth, um, it's Amarillo to make a play on Amarillo <laughs> as yellow like because that. you've got responsible, center-right, very effective legislators in Amarillo in Smithy, John Smithy, a state rep, and uh, for Price, who is – I. It may be an odds-on favorite to be speaker, and then Kel Selger, who was with us on the program yesterday, a state senator, and and I opened up with this, and let me get your thoughts, is that one of the Amarillo guys near where you're standing is Charlie Guerin, and you had the Freedom Caucus guys in and around where you are right now uh, who barely squeaked out victories, hard right guys in a general election who I think unwittingly didn't expect what they saw on uh, Tuesday night, winning by three, five points. But Charlie Guerin walking out, what, uh, 64-36. You concur with that based upon what's happening in these counties? And here's my follow-up. Here's my Jim Acosta to you. Here's my follow-up, Mr. President. Um, Is is it sustainable that without a better O'Rourke on the ticket, that suburban counties maintain the shade that they've gone towards on Tuesday night? You know, I that is exactly what I meant by we're in now the phase where human decisions are going to matter. I think that, without a doubt, this is going to be a high watermark. There's going to be some receding of the tide, and we see this every time there's a big shift. Some people get swept in that one, you know, essentially by accident and can't sustain the job, essentially. And and they'll get beat and it'll roll back. That said, um, you know, I think what we're seeing is not the, the end of, of Republican rule in the state as we've known it, but we are almost certainly seeing the beginning of the end and I, I think of it not so much as, is it sustainable, but to uh, borrow a figure speech from a colleague of mine, what is the slope of that change? And that's always been that's always been the, hmm. the question is, you know, I, I don't think we can, we're going to go back all the way, but I also think that 
you know, just to be blunt, you know, the Democrats could blow it. The Democrats right now, what do they have? They have a really good figurehead candidate. They have a demonstrated success, a model, even if it is just a software approach, but that's good enough for fundraising and some resources in the what bank. What do you mean, software? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, the use of ActBlue and, um, you know, online fundraising is a is a different approach than what we think of as your classic mm-hmm. fundraising ability. Um, and then they've also got, and I think you know, this can't be discounted, they've got a list of four million plus names that voted for Democrats or voted for at least a Democrat, but probably several in a midterm election. Now, all of those assets have a half-life. That is, you know, they are going to be very valuable into the next election, then they're going to be less valuable the election after that, and less valued the election after that if they don't build on them and invest them. And that's that's the question. And so in my view, you know, the best thing for the Democrats and the best thing for the state, and I'll uh, give me time to say why this is so I'm not misunderstood, is for Beto O'Rourke to go home and, you know, spend some time with his with his beautiful family and rest up and sleep in his own bed for a while and then come back and announce that he is going to run in 2020 for the other U.S. Senate seat that will be open against whoever decides to stand up for that seat and begins to leverage all those assets. But John John Cornyn saying today, and I thought prescient of Cornyn, this is why I like Cornyn, because he's able, he doesn't immediately dismiss, as an ideologue would, he said, look, is this a once in a lifetime conflation of events, or is this the new normal but then reports today that Cornyn's going to run again and here's my thing where I where I led on the program on Wednesday right the day after the election was national pollster and you know the pollsters I know that you talk with pollsters often or the consultants I should say Mm -hmm. they'd be crazy not to throw everything they can at Beto O'Rourke to get not just a Texas 2018 effect, but an Iowa 2020 effect and a Wisconsin 2020 effect. All those, all those upper Midwest counties and Ohio and and to get Beto O'Rourke again on the ticket. I'm not a Beto fanboy. I am somebody who's honest and said he's presented a a dynamic here where he can rock star votes out the roof he has you say maybe senate i say i think he's running for president or somebody's going to convince him to be a vice presidential candidate well i think that's a talk and i'm not i'm not convinced by the wisdom of that and let me tell you for two reasons why one he does the democrats if that's you know if you're thinking about from the consultant class point of view he does the democrats more good by leveraging the assets he's already built in Texas and making Texas more competitive in 2020. He's more valuable to you putting Texas, you know, I mean, I hate the phrase, will Texas be in play? It makes me insane, actually. But 
If Beto O'Rourke says he's going to run for Senate in 2020, the same consultants that you're talking about and on both sides are going to say, are going to see that you cannot make assumptions, the same assumptions about Texas in 2020 that you've made for the last several cycles, which is that the Republican Party doesn't have to put any money in the state. Hmm. And so by running where he running him where he is strongest you benefit you 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 reap not only benefits in the state but you also reap benefits in the national map in a year where you're running for president you're, you're running a presidential campaign and you're looking at a much more favorable senate map for the democrats it's almost the inverse of where we were this year terrible senate map for the democrats this year terrible Senate map for the Republicans in 2020. So look, I think reasonable people can disagree about this, but I think his assets are here, his constituency is here, he's come close, and I, you know, you know, people often look at me, I've been kind of making this argument, and people look at me like I'm nuts, but this is where if you look at the data, Cornyn is much weaker among the Republican base than Cruz was. So, wow. you know, baseline going into this, I mean, I think, I think you know, knowledgeable people that, are, that follow politics and that are political junkies and that are insiders look at Cornyn and say, look, he's got all this seniority. He's, you know, he's been there a while. He can be a much more reasonable person. I think that that misconstrues what is appealing to the most active wing of the Republican base right now. And what people read as Cornyn's strength is actually a vulnerability among the base. And we'll publish some of this. We'll write something about this in the next week or so, I hope. But you know, other than the bump he got from the Kavanaugh hearings and the general partisanship that we see in attitudes as you get closer to election, Cornyn's numbers, even his name recognition, are much weaker overall and critically much weaker among Republicans than Cruz or Abbott, you know, certainly Abbott for that fact. And, well, I, I just would think certainly better O'Rourke um, comparatively on the other side. Um, I, among, well, well, I mean, I mean yeah, so I mean, look, my point there is that LeBron James has never worn a Cornyn hat, right? So yeah. uh, Kim Kardashian's never put a, a Cornyn bumper, I don't know if she has, but, I mean, she never put a, a corn and bumper sticker on her car. Yeah, but it's also but it's also a more crowded field, and it's also, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a bigger climb. And look, you know, he did not beat Cruz. I would agree with you if he had beat Cruz. But I think, I think for him to go all the way on that front and for that to really work, he needed to beat Cruz at the national level. He needed to beat Cruz for to be to really get the return on that from at the national level as some kind of a presidential or, to my mind, even vice presidential candidate. Okay. I mean, the vice presidential thing, you know, it's plausible, but I, I still think it's 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 a misuse of it's a misuse of strategic resources to render him in one of the most irrelevant jobs in you know the political structure when you can have when you have a real shot at getting 
a foothold for a, uh, a Texas Democrat in Texas if that's the business year. Okay, so uh, we're talking with Jim Henson of the Texas po- Politics Project here at the University of Texas. Um, University of Texas is going to get it handed to him tomorrow night at uh, Jones AT&T Stadium. Uh, Jim, I'm not going to give you time to respond to that, but I will <laughs> say this. So, um, back to the assumption I have that I've seen suburban, red suburban counties drive Texas politics, that there's that shift there. All of a sudden, it alleviates a little pressure on rural Texas, in particular on school finance, that maybe there's opportunity now that we can look at school finance because in my Drew Darby, my poor Drew Darby, state representative out of San Angelo, uh, contender for Speaker of the House, Independent school districts are the lifeblood of any rural community. And that's, I mean, that's blatant. It's a primary employer. It's the center of social and cultural structure in uh, in all sorts of Friday night lights, small towns. What do you say to rural listeners right now who are looking at the suburban counties and what what I've coined as the suburbitarians, Right, like the hard right guys elected out of suburbs that are looking at their returns on Tuesday night, saying, "Whoa, we got to rethink this. I, I got to talk to more of my constituents, who are not just my voters, but my constituents as a whole." Do you think rural Texas has a reason to take a deep sigh and say, "Okay, maybe we we've got some ground here to put together some some economics that work for us and to address our school district and is that too much hope is what I'm asking you, Jim Henson? No, I don't think it is. I mean, I, I think, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not convinced that that will happen necessarily. And again, the, the theme for this is let's see what some real people decide that are going to be in the mix here. But I, I think there is a, a chance for that. And the reason I think that is, is twofold. One, um, you know, one of the, one of the old saws of political science research about Congress also applies to state legislators, to my mind, and that is that they are single-minded—they are single-minded seekers of re-election. Mm-hmm. And no, nothing gets your attention like either losing or a near-death experience, which several of the the suburban members that you're talking about have had uh, uh, in this last election. So I think there's that. I think the other piece is that. Much of what happens in, in the legislature is a struggle for defining and, and controlling and shaping whatever, however strong you want to be, the agenda that is before the legislature and is put before the public. And I think there will be some incentives to shift the agenda in a way that you find those problems that are shared across the board. Um, by urban, suburban, and rural areas, even though they're seeking that the solutions look different. Very often the problems are the same, but the solutions are different because mm-hmm. of the way they manifest. Yep. And you have to get people in the you know in a position to basically negotiate over those things. There's not been a lot of negotiating space in the legislature for the last couple of sessions. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a shot that this will put you know, a 
little bit of fear in the system and will also change the balance of not just voting power, but uh, public agenda power, if you call it. I mean, I think it's it's much harder for these, you know, the hard right suburban members you're talking about right now to stand up and make the argument they've been making for the last six or eight years that somehow they are representative of, you know, what people in the state, quote unquote, really want and that the the party leadership isn't giving them giving that to them and that, you know, the Democrats are extinct and Republicans are squandering their hegemony and so on. I mean, I think that argument is just not very persuasive in this moment. Hey, uh, and, you know, that's why some of the people that have been making it are not there this time. Yeah. So, Jim, I, I feel bad because I scheduled a guest and we could just carry out the hour with you here. But let me ask you two two blunt questions. One, how many, just for listeners understanding, my my rule of thumb has always been that 9% of Texas voters turn out. Um, how does that, how many Texas voters turned out, you know, what percentage turned out uh, in this 2018 election? Well, you mean by percentage of eligible voters or yes, registered voters? By, by eligible I think, voters. I think, I think by eligible voters, I haven't seen the exact number because I've seen the registered voter numbers, but it'll be in the, it'll probably be in the mid 40s. Wow. You know? I, yeah. I could be wrong about that. That's incredible. That's, I think that's close. So, Low to mid 40s. Okay, so give me a little talking point here. I, I got a microphone and I'm able to uh, be lazy whenever I use a microphone because I get good guests on like yourself and, and I can ask questions that I need to be answered offline. But uh, I agreed to speak at a uh, urban counties conference i think it's the first week of the legislature in january and what i was gonna go in and make the point i'm on the on a <laughs> you uh, you can laugh out loud if you want to it's me and harvey cromberg and ross ramsey because i guess they could very find, good i guess they couldn't find anybody else but uh my uh, anybody else except for me um but my thesis going in was that the problem for rural Texas right now is how red the suburban counties are, but that's no longer the case. So what's my thesis now going into that? Give me the talking point, Jim Henson. Well, I think I, I, I think um, the problem now is that you need to make it an assumption, not just an insidery piece of knowledge. Mm-hmm. That the urban, you know, the urban representatives and the rural representatives have a lot more in common than people acknowledge. Yep. And that they have, you know, I, I would, I would invite you to use the line we just used a little while ago, or some variant of it, that, you know, they can really, you know, by 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 recognizing the problems they have in common, it makes it easier to derive uh, solutions that are tailored to the ways that the communities are different. And I think that's true for education. I think it's true for health care. Um, but you can't, yeah. yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't start from the assumption that the problems and the solutions are so different that you're absolutely opposed to that. And I think that, frankly, that was a driving that wedge between the, the cities and the, 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 the urban core areas and the rural areas is one of the things that 
uh, the suburban and exurban conservatives have done, and it's been destructive. Yeah, and it's and it's not necessary because in a lot of cases it's not true. Okay, well I'm going to uh, Daniel is going to bookmark this interview right there, and that's my talking point going in. I may or may not give you credit for it. Uh, he is James R. Hint at James R. Henson on Twitter. You go to texaspolitics.utexas.edu, and you can find the Texas Politics Project. Jim, you're a good friend. I appreciate you coming on. Very good to visit with you, Chad. I hope I see you soon. Are you going to that rural conference that's happening next week? I don't know. I've at not, A&M? I've, no, yeah, yeah. Listen, me. the chances of me getting invited to anything after Regent Gate here and Bob Duncan uh jim is uh <laughs> yeah i think uh, barack obama has a better <laughs> chance of being elected lubbock county judge than me getting invited well, to what, A&M at what you're saying is i i might not see you but i might see your 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 face on posters on telephone poles uh, maybe yeah yeah <laughs> hey, all right brother take we care appreciate you thank you you too uh good stuff there with jim henson good stuff coming up over this commercial break hey go buy some stuff from these people they went in at the ground level on a program that now is uh, a good amount of people listen to. Try not to brag, but a good amount of people. We're going to get in with Vikram Baliga here. Coming up, stay right where you are. Quickie break. Good money. Coming in the other side of Texas. We'll be back. Hey, we got Vikram Baliga. He's a knower of all things horticulture. And else, are you a doctor now? Uh, almost, not quite. One of these days, you're getting there. I'm getting there. But you know, ever so on Monday, Vikram. This is what I went again with here, and we didn't get you your applause. We'll get it at the end. <laughs> on Monday, uh, it's supposed to snow a yeah. lot. That's what it sounds like. So, for people on the Cap Rock, what? Um, Let's just go through the keeping your plants alive, not having to do CPR on Monday afternoon. Yeah. Uh, so if you've got stuff in pots, like, that won't take the cold, bring, the, you know, if you haven't brought it in already, because we've had a freeze or two, yeah, it's time to do that for sure. Yeah. Um, out in the landscape, you know, I don't know. I'm. It's For a lot of our plants, it's probably time to put them to bed anyway, right? Like, let them, let them go, whatever. Uh, but if there's plants you're trying to save, uh, cover them however you can. Whether it's, you know, what works really well is like old bed sheets. A couple of layers of old bed sheets that you throw out. Like you know. sheets or comforters. Uh, it depends how cold it's going to be. A couple of, you know, it it doesn't take a lot because you're just trying to raise that temperature just a little bit. So, um, probably nothing heavy enough to you know crush your plants. But two or three old old bed sheets is usually good. You know what works great is the old. Uh, you know, incandescent Christmas lights we're not supposed to be using anymore because they're not energy efficient or whatever. Yeah, well, I've got those. I do too. That's all I have. Uh, but, but we do also at the Lease in Ponderosa, we've got a concreted front yard. So we are water conscious. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So stain some concrete. Kids have big parties on them. Paint it green. Mow it twice. No, we didn't paint Whether it, it needs green. It or we not. just stained it brown and then uh, they play basketball and ride their scooters and do yeah. everything else on it. Yeah. But I mean, like, I, I still use the old incandescent lights because I'm too cheap to go buy all LEDs. the LED ones. On, but the, the LED ones don't put out, put out any heat, or not much. But if you've got the old incandescent lights, you can actually lay them out in your flower beds and then throw a sheet over them. 
and uh, plug them in, let them run, and it produces enough heat to usually keep your plants alive. What if it snows on top of them? You want people to die in an electric no, shock? No, it'll be fine. Outdoor, use outdoor lights. Okay. I mean, okay. I, ideally. I don't know. I, I did not bring you out here to try to catch you in a snare, my friend. <laughs> no, I mean, but it, it actually works pretty well. It, they produce enough heat to, to keep your plants alive through it. Um even with the snow, whatever, because yeah. uh, it, it'll melt it off the top and and so all that. So here's my here's my deal. I always say we are on the edge of the Great Chihuahua Desert <laughs> in the Great American Plains, and so like let's get into let's get into some meteorology, Kay. some ecology, some horticulture, <laughs> okay. all this stuff that you know about. The big controversy in Lubbock is that. How can you have a top-rated OU to Oklahoma last week? And on camera, live in Lubbock, the Jones, the Mystic Jones, <laughs> is, uh, the Mystique of the Jones, yeah, I should right. say. People look on on the camera, and the the stands are half empty, and we're only down five. Yeah. And they think, well, wh- I can tell you right now what happened. People did not like my – I didn't take the kids to the game because it yeah. was too late. It's, yeah. Because what I've learned, Vikram, is that – let me tell you what I've learned, Vikram. I bring no, I'm you, looking I forward br- to it. I bring you in studio. No, I want to hear it. I like it. Was that with my kids, it's not the day before school that matters on how grumpy they are on Monday mornings. It's the day before the day. Yeah. And so whenever I look at a kickoff that's late – yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, we got eight tickets, but I ain't taking the kids. Because right. Monday morning is going to be a nightmare. Yeah. But if I had taken the kids and made Monday morning a nightmare, it would not have been a nightmare because we would have left at halftime. Oh, yeah. Or before, because, again, Chihuahua Desert. It's cold. Great Plains. It gets up in the afternoon and tricks you, and then the sun goes down. Oh, and it, the north wind, the north breeze, I should say, comes yeah. in. Man, it's and today's a perfect because it was it was beautiful this afternoon. It was a great, and then like when we walk out here in a little bit, it's gonna be cold. It drops like as soon as the sun goes down, it drops twenty five degrees. Mm-hmm. Summer, winter, doesn't matter. And you know, I've always said that's honestly one of the the best parts of living here during the summer is it can be. You know, a thousand degrees during the day, yeah. and then as soon as the sun goes down, you can go sit on the back porch and, you know, just hang out, cook yeah. steaks, and it's not too hot. Okay, so look, I want to. I'm not gonna. We're running late. I can't even get into all these texts, <laughs> but I'm going to use you to my advantage, like I just used Jim Hansen. Okay. I need some advice here. Okay, Mr. Horticulture. Sure. Um, number one. I'm going to go with the thing that I think most people... Whenever you talk about the front porch, I will never again buy a house in Lubbock that's front porch faces the north because you don't get a breeze right. unless it's cold. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. So you sit on my porch, and I should have long ago put a ceiling fan out there or something <laughs> it's, because it's, you just yeah. bake in the summer. Yep. You can't have good front porch theological conversations or otherwise it's a BS, challenge BS conver- yeah you just sit there and sweat yeah but my front bed so over the course of the year in the beginning of the year is the house faces north the shade comes out 
right well over my front bed yeah and then it begins to recede back over the course of summer i can't find anything to grow in that bed and okay. i do have okay. i do have a couple of plants but they grow out into the driveway right they're, yeah they they're trying to sun. find sunlight yeah, yeah. yeah uh you okay so it depends what kind of plants you want but some things you can look at uh if you're trying to fill space like a lot of space look at a plant called turk's cap okay it's a perennial shrub shrub like plant it'll get two three feet tall uh puts on little red or pink flowers but it'll flower in like incredible amounts of shade what if i don't want something that tall I mean, I'm pretty proud okay. of the front of my house. Okay. There at the least. Let's see. What else we got? Um, there's some ground covers you could use for sure. Um, there's one called Purple Heart Vine that's purple, and it's kind of heart-shaped, and How it's a vine. How does it grow? Uh, six or eight inches. I mean, it's a ground cover. Okay. Uh, it's pretty attractive. It's purple. It puts on little pink flowers, and uh, it'll grow in a lot of shade. Okay. It does pretty well in a lot of shade. That's good. So it's a good option. So what's the deal with this Virginia Creeper thing? That's growing yeah. up all over my house. Yeah, so it's it's a perennial. So let me describe it. It's first. pretty aggressive. Well, why yeah. don't you describe it rather than me? Because I'm sure a lot of people deal with this thing. Okay, so um, it's very aggressive. Grows real fast, and it'll come back every year. You know, and it has uh, five little leaflets. Um, so a lot of people think it's that like are purple. Yeah, they'll turn purple for sure. Hmm. Uh, they're kind of like a deep green during the summer, and this time of year, they actually they actually get some cool fall color on them. They'll turn red and orange and stuff. But they uh, uh, people think it's um, poison ivy sometimes because they don't know what poison ivy looks like. But uh, it's in the grape family, so it grows like you know real fast like a grape. Grow in the shade, grow pretty much anywhere, up the side of your house, trees. It doesn't, it doesn't care. It's mm -hmm. pr but it's aggressive. So. Uh, it's actually not a bad ground cover. Um, puts on little berries, uh, all that. But uh, some people don't like it because of how aggressive it is. You know, you're always pruning it out of doorways and off fences. And you know, if you leave your dog outside too long, you're you'll lose your dog. Exactly. I mean, it, it really is. Yeah. It's like uh, Little House of Horrors. Yeah. The, the plan of it's like the little kudzu House of West Texas. No. It's not quite that bad, but yeah, you don't it's... wrap up your tree and try to suffocate it. Oh well, yeah. yeah. So we've got it all over. We've got a, is, a lot of it on our fence. You know, that that's on the uh, endangered species list in love trees. Trees. Oh yeah. yeah. You don't need a Virginia pine on your tree. No. So uh, it's hard to control. You can like if you don't like it, cut it down. You know, as soon as you see it, start to. But they put grow up out. from. And you say cut it down. It's like. Comes from everywhere. So it's like Ghostbusters, man. I don't know how many more '80s movies I'm going to reference here. Yeah, that's but, a good one. But it's it's coming from everywhere. Slimer, where is he coming from? Like <laughs> this thing comes from everywhere. So if you're trying to kill a perennial plant in general, any perennial plant, and uh, you know you may have sprayed it before. I don't know if that's a thing you do, but you know people will spray it during the spring and summer, yeah. and it just doesn't care, right? Like it may knock some leaves off, and then two days later it's back. Hit it in the fall. So during the growing season, all the sugars and everything's coming up because it's trying to, like, grow leaves. So everything goes up. But this time, well, a little bit earlier. So say mid-October in early November, uh, even a little bit earlier in some cases, it starts to take all those compounds and put, puts them down into the roots uh, to try to winterize and overwinter. Mm -hmm. So if you send a chemical down with it, uh, Roundup, 2,4-D, whatever, uh, you can actually kill the roots if you do it in the, in the fall. Okay, so in the fall. fall is the right time to spray perennial plants if you're trying to kill them. Okay, let's go to a break, and we're going to get into more. Okay. 
West Texas for West Texans who care about you know ground cover yeah. or whatever. Sure. Get back in with you, Vikram Baliga here in studios. Going to take a quickie break. Stay right where you are. Plenty to learn from the Vikram, the Jedi of horror culture, right here on your other side of Texas. Be back about uh, 90 seconds from now. You've made it popular enough that we're soon going to go to uh, new, we've got a new studio that we're putting together, but I will miss it because, you know, on these walls, in a studio that's not changed much since Waylon or Buddy Holly was here, um, there's a lot of residue on these walls. Um, Vikram Baliga, your thoughts on legalizing marijuana? <laughs> Horticulture guy. Uh, uh, I'm not going to make a comment on that. Yeah, I'm a public employee. I yeah. understand. This segment <laughs> brought to you by Lubbock File Room. Lubbock File Room, providing safe and secure document storage and shredding services to Lubbock and the surrounding areas since 1992. You don't want your business competitors going through your stuff. You don't need that. As I tell you all the time, uh, you don't uh, you don't need anybody going through your stuff. Go get that stuff shredded or stored, and uh, there's a reason why. is right, mother. You could you could always have a problem. So since 1992, for a free and hassle-free estimate, as Vikram Baliga clears his throat in the background. <laughs> Call LubbockFileRoom.com, 806-744-7666 today. A couple of texts, but I'm going to take priority here and give you my conundrum at the Lease in Ponderosa. Okay. Ready? We put in some desert willows, and they were just bait. I mean, the kids were five years old. The twins were. Whenever we put them in. Right. And the willows were as tall as them. Yeah. Now they're like 15 feet, maybe 20 feet tall. Yeah. Okay. But the kids have made their these trees their own. And sure. I don't understand how trees grow. I don't know where like the big nutrient part is. I'm right. going to ask you about this. Okay. But the kids go out and of course they find things to climb onto like a monkey bar and swing back and forth. One is a branch that I, in my estimation, as I've groomed these trees... It's a pretty important branch sure. that's coming off horizontally, but now it's cracked. And what I see is it's cracked at the top, and then there's a middle bore on it, and then the bottom is cracked as well. So here's my thought, Vikram Baliga, the, uh, the Socrates of trees in Lubbock. My thought is this. I'm going to go down to the hardware store, and I'm going to get a three-eighths pan head and as well as a nut and washer and I'm going to drill through that branch that's probably I mean I'm essentially doing a made you look right below your shoulder I'm going to hit you right after the show's over right because you did look but it's, <laughs> a, it's about that thick and I'm thinking about drilling up through it and putting that bolt in a nut on it 
bad idea, good idea. No, that's exactly what I do. Really? That's exactly what I do. Um, <clears throat> and then spank my kids every time. Right. Like with a belt or uh, with a hand? You know, again, I won't comment on that, but okay. that's probably too controversial. Paddle? But, uh, whatever. I mean, whatever you got. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, whatever, Sandy. What do you got? We just did that. Yeah. I, 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 I was going to talk about wallets, but yeah. You don't want to go into that. It's too. It's a public. It's a whole other thing, right? Yeah. So um, I do appreciate um, that you're willing to say that, to concede that, because there are some public employees in Lubbock that really need to mine their a money monies online, and they don't. But that's a whole side issue. Go ahead. So, uh, so that's. I mean, if you if you were to call an arborist, if they didn't tell you to cut the limb off. Uh, you can. I would actually put, depending on how long the crack is, I'd probably put a couple of bolts in it. It's about, I would say, six, seven inches. Okay, so I would come in probably two inches from each end of it and put two bolts in and just snug it up as tight as you can. Really? Try to pull that close. But what will that look like in ten years? Will it be like it grew out and then it refrained? And no, a tree will just grow over it. Really? tree doesn't care. Uh, yeah, trees are really good at compartmentalizing, and so they'll just keep growing, and they'll... Trees are the Clintons of plants. <laughs> I, see, you keep trying to catch me and stuff, and one of these days you're going to get me. You did laugh. I did laugh. <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, over time, the tree will grow over it. And yeah. so, like, interesting story, there's a tree that used to be... I think it's come down, but there's a tree that used to be in College Station that hit by a truck, uh, struck by lightning, something, tore like a whole half off the tree. Mm-hmm. So what they did 20, 30 years ago, and this was you know, in the books at that time, was they came in and put brick in the tree. All right? Mm-hmm. And the tree kind of grew over put, that brick. Put brick in the tree. Like they, they built a wall to seal off that yeah. damage. And uh, where was this again? Uh, there's, yeah. Yeah, as I hold up my Aggie. See, I walked into that one. That's That's good, too. I do that all the time. What we did spare you with was uh, <laughs> John Sharp on the cell phone. You're you're welcome. Yeah, I appreciate that. Okay. This is this was a better option. So should I keep this on low? If you want we, to, okay. I'm okay with it. Okay, it's, go, it makes me ahead. feel nostalgic. A, tr- a tree hit it's nostalgia. in college station. So it grew over it, and that's fine. Like the tree didn't care. Uh, but I think when you go later and someone tried to cut down that tree, hitting a brick wall with a chainsaw is not much fun. Mm. But uh, so no, the tree doesn't. I mean, so the, it it won't deform the tree. You may get a little indentation, but it's not going to hurt it. Yeah. Um, but I would try to pull that that crack as as you know, flush as you can, close it up. Um, what some people do is use like um, a couple of pieces of wood, something soft, and a clamp to try to clamp it shut, mm. and then run screws through it so it doesn't try to pull apart. Like and plywood, wood, or yeah, you can use a couple pieces of plywood. How about I cut up a, another branch of the tree and then use it? It's like almost insulting to the tree, right? Yeah. Like no. you better shape up, or no. uh, but just you know, just to pull that that uh, split shut, um, the the tree doesn't mind. Okay, so it's supposed to snow. Right. We'll, we'll end the segment where we began. Three inches. Folks need to. Either bring them in the house, cover them, cover them, or just make peace with them, or just go and dig so, a hole and dump them in there. Yeah, just you know, enjoy them for the next forty-eight hours, and then get ready to replant stuff next year. Yeah. It's not gonna be that cold. I don't know. Twenty so, something. Uh, public official, who are you going for? Is Tech cover the two-point spread? Tomorrow? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think. Well, we'll see what what our quarterback situation is. Our I, man, I'm I'm tech now. You okay. know, I'm, I go All to right. tech. I'm about to have more degrees from tech than A and M. Wow. 
So my parents, I think, one time said I'm in recovery because I, you know, yeah. came back home. And, yeah. But. I said today on Twitter that um, I made a point about a uh, a candidate for Speaker of the House who sat in the Chancellor's suite at Texas A&M. Six out of at least 13 games hmm. in 2016, 2017, and said, look, it's not petty for me to point this out. I think it's noteworthy whenever you're looking for votes and people who are associated with Texas Tech might uh, raise a brow mm-hmm. at that. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I just I, I feel a little bit justified, but I did say this, Vikram Baliga, as we sign off here. I did say, look, if I were invited, Jay West, Texas, Lisa were invited to sit in John Sharp's suite. Yeah. I would accept, but <laughs> I think there's a greater chance of Barack Obama becoming the Lubbock County judge than me being invited. I think that's in, probably true. That I suite. think that's true. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm going to get home. Got to get home. Speaking of tech, we're going to go watch the basketball game tonight. The whole family down in the lower bowl. And uh, I've got to give plenty of uh, what's that stuff? People going? It's not blood. It's what? What do they go give to get money? Plasma. Pla- yeah. 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 My wife. We're like in this hardcore. We're gonna get Fred Harden on from Will Ben Mortgage. And we're in this hardcore saving because we're gonna buy this property. We're gonna build onto it. Um, there in in the in Tech Terrace. And uh, we're saving up. We got this money figure that we want to get. Da, da, da. But we did get lower tickets in the bowl for the whole Leeson Tribe 6. And we're going to go tribe. watch them. Yeah. So I got to get home. Got to get home. Great family. Great basketball. Above average dinner. That it looks like at this point we're going to buy from the arena. So uh, we're going to take out a note on that as yeah, well. Several hundred dollars. For uh, Vikram Baliga. What's your Twitter? Uh, at Vic Bradley. At Vic Bradley on Twitter. And at James R. Henson, Texas Politics Project there at the University of Texas. Appreciate both of them. We'll see you next week. Lots of news to make and lots of news to break. And watch out for Amarillo, Texas turning Amarillo there from yours truly. We'll see you next time right here on the other side of Texas. Shipwreck on the mountain, rubbernecking all the outlaws. It's who we wanna be.